Welcome back to the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. I'm Danny Horn. I am here with Joe Hennis of the Muppet fan site Tough Figs. Hey, Joe. Hey, Danny. I'm back. Oh, it's nice to see you again. This is Act 3 of the 2011 Wide Awake Nightmare Green Lantern. Act 2 ended with the worst possible shot. And because this is Green Lantern, it is followed by the worst possible scene. Hector comes home. Things are not going well for Hector following this party. He is sweaty and stumbling. Something terrible is happening to him. He clutches a desk for support. There are horrible screeching noises, followed by terrible cracking sounds, which is the sound that your skull makes when it's made a whole bunch of new decisions about what its shape should be and has not consulted you on this. He cries out in pain. He clutches his temple. He hears an awful noise in his head. He is flung to the floor. He gets up. His hair is hanging loose from the back of his head. And then we see what is happening to Hector's skull. It is cracking. It is remolding itself. And it is not doing that painlessly. We can see the bumps moving around under the skin on his forehead. And he puts his hands up to his head. And that is when the atomic level screeching begins. He gives out these horrific squeals of pain and fear. This is not someone shouting. This is the sound of someone losing his mind in excruciating pain. It goes on for 15 seconds. And we see from the next shot that people can hear it in space. <laughs> so this, this is a problem. I think of this as a Howard the Duck problem. Nobody else does because no one else has seen the movie and knows what I'm talking about. But you want villains in a movie to be mean and obnoxious and do villainous things. And maybe they look ugly and that's fine. But Howard the Duck is mostly concerned with this one guy who is very gradually turning into a terrible, disgusting alien monster. And it's scene after scene after scene of him getting worse and worse and worse and more horrible and ugly. And that is what happens with Hector here. Again, I get it's a villain. He looks like a big, terrible monster. But you kind of do need to make sure that you're putting something on screen that the audience actually wants to look at and listen to. Yeah, th there's a way to do ugly, but also like, whoa, look at that supervillain. We'll talk soon, I'm sure, about the toys. But yeah. like, they're not creating a character here <laughs> who can translate to a toy, let alone be a toy that no. anyone's ever going to want to buy. And it feels to me like this is the moment where the movie just completely, fully loses its audience. Carol is working late. And out on the balcony, there's some green light and she comes out and he's there. And then there's a moment which I actually think that they do really well, where he's got the mask and he thinks that he's fooling her. And he tries on this very like deep voice. He's like, evening, ma'am. And she's like, <laughs> she just looks at him for a second. She's like, oh, my God, how? What is going on? And he's like, how did you know it was me? And she says, what do you mean I've known you my whole life? I've seen you naked. You don't think I would recognize you because I can't see your cheekbones? Which is good. It's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. The one good scene, the entire movie. Where they've made a real good decision. Yeah. To, to make this a little bit more realistic. And this is the thing that makes me like Blake Lively's um, mm -hmm. performance yes. as yeah. Carol. Because... She's not just being the nagging boss. She's not just being right. the um, you know unattainable girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Like this is her scene where she's like, "I'm smarter than you." Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. So the, all right. So Green Lantern gets something right, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, we thought it was going to be zero. It turns out to be one. 
you know. Right. Yep. All right. And it's over. Now it's done. I know. I know. (laughs) So now they're talking and she's asking him, so how does all this stuff work? And he has no idea. And we have no idea. It would. This would have been a moment when he could have told her and we would have learned. He says, I actually kind of quit. And she says, how do you walk away from something like that? And if for once you didn't quit something you cared about, what's the worst that could happen? And the thing is, he doesn't care about it. And he shouldn't because it's a terrible job. So first of all, she she claims that he walks away from everything he cares about. The only thing that we know of that he has walked away from before yeah. the Green Lantern stuff happened was his relationship with Carol. <laughs> yes. Right? Because he still has his fighter pilot job, very important fighter pilot yeah. job. Yeah. He loves his job. Yeah. He is close with his family. Oh, yeah. He has a really nice relationship with his nephew. Yeah. Obviously cared a lot about like his dad and his dad's memory and yeah. like built his whole life around that. Like, yeah. he's, like if anything, he should be walking away from some of this stuff. <laughs> the thing that I think is very weird is that she completely accepts on very little information the idea that the Green Lantern Corps does awesome work that's hugely important. And there is no evidence that that is the case, either here or in the entire movie. She, I guess, has the inkling that he can use these powers to be a hero. Mm-hmm. But and here's the thing, like probably should talk about this earlier. He quits the core. Yeah. But keeps the ring. I know. And the costume and all the powers and everything. Right. Yep. So. As far as anyone's concerned, he can be a superhero. He could be a Green Lantern on Earth. He, like he, nobody's being like, and you gotta give us your gun and your badge, and even Carol saying like you're like like what well, like don't quit something yeah. that you know you obviously feel strongly about. It's like yeah, he could keep doing that. He just doesn't have to join the cult. Yeah, ex- yes, exactly. Yeah, the lesson the the senior is supposed to be like don't quit things, but yeah. you absolutely should quit jobs if you don't know what you're doing and they're treating you badly. Right, just absolutely, what's happening here? And then horrible Hector goes to the science lab he goes back to his lab back to the set (laughs) back to the set where he's doing stuff and amanda waller comes back into our lives and says dr hammond there's something i'd like to show you and he grabs her hand and he turns his terrible misshapen head and he sees a vision of her husband and kids being shot because it's been a while since we've seen a parent die in this movie (laughs) And here's the thing. I get that Hector is growing in power. Mm-hmm. He's already got telekinesis and telepathy. Yeah. Like, now we also need to have, like, I touched you and I saw all your memories. Like, that doesn't add anything to your character. Like, all it does is, like, give us more backstory for a yeah. character who is really not doing important. anything in this movie. Not important. Yeah. It is not important that we have that backstory at all. Yeah. No, not in the least. Yep. But as he, as he grins... Physical contact accesses mnemonic data. You just, I can see your memories. He's just like turning into kind of like Peter Laurie, sort of like just super creep. He's terrible. <laughs> oh, Peter Laurie would have been a great uh, Hector. He would have been terrific. Yeah. Yeah. So she takes this horrible monster and they go back to the important government place, which we can't really figure out what it is. You're not allowed to know. We signed an NDA. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dad's there too. Senator's there. He says, this is my fault, but I'm going to fix it and we're going to get you well. And then they sedate him. Hal is brooding. 
and looking at his ring and he's thinking about TR, the traveling rooster, being encouraging to him. And uh, and then the ring flashes twice, which is supposed to indicate that there is danger somewhere and his eyeballs go green. Yeah, that's his spidey sense. Yeah. Hal Jordan's back in the cult. That's all you need. When Hector comes to, he is being restrained as he should be. <laughs> They're going to run some tests on him. And try and, like, wet vac the alien stuff out of him somehow. And he's got his terrible yellow eyes, and he's about to do something horrible. And Waller says, you know what, how about we keep him under? Which would have been a good idea before we let him wake up. Now, the Amanda Waller of any other universe would have been like, she would have cut his head off. Yeah, she would have cut his head off a long time ago. This isn't worth the headache. Yeah, why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a dangerous monster. That's right. And so... He uses his power. Guy is coming at him with a syringe to give him sedative. And he makes that guy just stab that syringe straight into his own eye and die. Who is this movie for? <laughs> I know. There are children in the audience. I was definitely like, that was, I was not ready for a syringe in the eye at that moment. No. That was not a thing I made a choice to see when I, when I walked in here. But that's what just happened. And then he just leaps up onto the table and he says, run. Like... A serial killer. Yep. Like, that's the kind of thing that a supervillain in any other story would have been like, oh, I've been waiting my whole life to have some power. Yeah. And finally intimidate some people. Yeah. It's like he was perfectly happy, you know, with his quiet life as a professor on the couch. It turns out he just wanted to murder. He just wanted to be sadist and murder people. So he locks his dad down, kills some security guards with their own taser guns. But here comes Hal busting through the wall somehow. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Hector drops Waller and Hal creates some water for her to fall in, which is not would not be my first choice. Again, could have been like a bathtub and that would have been fun I with know. a rubber with a Green Lantern rubber duck. Yeah, you know? no, that's true. Yeah, would have been fun. And then Hector does more horrible squealing. And I got to give him credit like he does. I mean, it is very effective, horrible squealing. I do a sound clip at the end of episodes. And so I was thinking, I was watching this and I was thinking like, well, I mean, the thing to do would be like, I I knew that I was going to like talk about how horrible his screeching was. And I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should just like use a clip of him squealing like that so people can hear how horrible it is. And I had, I have decided not to do that. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you lose subscribers. Yeah. No, I could, I was just imagining like somebody listening on their AirPods and, and especially, you know, it's like sort of the, the cute sound clip at the very end, little surprise. Is like someone's listening on their AirPods and like with no warning or context, I just like put that screeching like directly <laughs> into their ears. So I'm not doing that. If if the listeners would like to hear that, you're going to have to go and seek that out on purpose on your own time. Yep. Make it your ringtone. That's your call. Yeah. But it's but there's so much of it here. And it's like the movie does not understand its job, which is to entertain us. It does not get that at all. Right. There's a like a smash him up oxygen tank fight, and then it kind of ends with the slumber party, which is hard <laughs> to figure out. Where they both just kind of like end up lying on the floor exhausted. Yep. And Hector says, "How? Hi." <laughs> I laugh. I did laugh at that moment. The alien was one of you. <laughs> I yeah. It's funny. It's just so creepy and awful. I kind of want them to kiss a little bit, but yeah. Not at all, but actually not at all. <laughs> you want to see Hector Hammond no, I don't. with his puppy really face. Don't. No. Smooch up with anyone. But they're in that position, though. 
They're both yes. kind of like they're just on the floor and they're looking at each other and it would be a nice moment, but no. So he looks, so now they're going to create this duality, right? They're going to suddenly whip up out of nowhere this idea that like, well, really the two of them are the same and what is happening to them is the same and they are two sides of the same coin, which I don't believe that they actually are or that's expressed anywhere in the movie, but. No, I, I do think that they are trying to make that point. They make that, yeah. they, they say it several times yeah they're gonna say it right now yeah but it's 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 funny because like you know spoilers at the end of the movie we're gonna get Mm -hmm. some hints that sinestro is gonna be a yellow lantern and like that's that's two opposite sides of the same coin yeah that's what they're that's what they were gonna do in the sequel yeah like this is like like we're the same it's like ah man no we're not yeah i mean the same yeah i guess in the sense that like we were both trapped into being something bizarre and horrible that we didn't choose but yeah we we both have daddy issues it's like yeah everyone in these movies has daddy issues yeah that does not make us unique (laughs) and then speaking of his dad he just lifts up his dad with his mind and smashes him through some glass into a little balcony room for some reason I'm going to ask you if you understand this at all. For some reason, which I feel cannot be explained with science or magic, there are two enormous robot arms that shoot fire. And he can take them and turn them with his mind and shoot sheets of flame out of them to flame broil Tim Robbins and roast him alive. So what's your question? (laughs) Why why do those arms exist? What the hell? What is that? What are those arms? Why would you have arms like that? I could tell why the arms exist. Like that seems like the why kind of thing where exist? like they've got a lot of a lot of machinery. They got this hadron collider or whatever. You know, like that's like these are the arms that are like moving things around like cranes. That's really? I can I can at least picture I don't know, man. It's like a wall like, like that up at the top. Sure. The, I, yeah. That makes no sense to me. Uh but they're you said they're shooting fire. That's the thing yeah. that I that I don't Flame think throwers. makes any sense. It's no. one thing to be like like these, we have these arms that are going to be that can manipulate cranes yeah. Yeah, for yeah. this very heavy equipment, right? Whatever okay. it is, whether it exists yeah. in the real world or not, I can pick wrap my brain around that. Yeah, but they also shoot fire in this place where, like, we probably sh- shouldn't be setting things on fire. We have some very valuable. We have a, this we is have there. Alien. I know. Oh yeah, no. We've we got have... the. We're splitting the atom over there in that corner. Yeah. Yes. All the all, our syringe collection is over there. <laughs> No fire should be in this room. Yeah, there's stuff that's like big, expensive, and extremely dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are there apparently so that you can throw a human being somewhere and roast him alive within seconds. <laughs> right. So that's, that's where they keep their Tim Robbins murder machine. <laughs> yes. So there is, and if we want one more dad getting murdered on screen, here he is, Tim <laughs> Robbins. I mean, I was kind of sick of Tim Robbins, too. Al finally decides that maybe he's going to do something useful. So he reaches out and he touches Hector with his ring, and that connects him to Parallax in space. What does he think he's doing, by the way? I don't know. He's getting he he what he's doing is he is saying it has been all of this time and I have not yet had a villain monologue at me. And so that's. <laughs> I need to access that. And apparently touching Hector with the ring is is the the button that lets you do that. So there he is. He's talking to mean, scary Skull Cloud, who says, you will suffer the same fate once I have devoured your world. 
during this supervillain monologue, um, Parallax says something along the lines of like, oh, you you wear Abin Sewer's ring, and so you're going to suffer the same fate that he did. Yeah. And I don't think that Parallax understands how Green Lantern rings work. We're like, sure, you can kill Hal Jordan. Then the right. ring goes to someone else. Someone else. Then you got to right. kill that guy. Yeah. Are you just going to go down the line? Like, that's not a good strategy. Yeah, that's it's going to take a while, at least. Yeah. If you're planning on killing everyone in the entire sector. <laughs> sector <laughs> 2814. <laughs> they have told us there are millions of species, and this ring is just going to keep zapping around from one of them to another. Eventually, it's going to hit a competent person. <laughs> it's bound to. Yeah, so I'm just I'm looking at this. And I'm just like, imagine being in a movie theater and watching this on purpose. <laughs> I did. I can't. I can't even imagine it. We didn't know what we didn't know, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> there are the known knowns and the unknown. And this was an unknown unknown. That is correct. Yes. And Hal kind of yells and makes some noise. And that kind of strengthens him somehow. And then he pushes Hector away. And then there's like some light and water and sound. And I'm not sure what happens at that point. Did you understand any of this? No, um, I, I had something similar in my notes of like something happens. And then somehow, question mark, they both end up at their respective apartments. Yeah. Yes. We go back to Oa, where Hal is making a pitch to the Guardians. He's now standing in this circle, lifting up his head, trying to talk to them. Sinestro has decided that he's going to forge a yellow ring and get the power of the enemy. And then Hal arrives and says, but at what cost? Because now he understands kind of everything that's going on. So he does a sales pitch to the Guardians where he's like, I know that humans aren't the strongest species or the smartest. We're young. We have a lot to learn, but we're worth saving. Questions. Why does he need to make this pitch? Why wouldn't they help anyway like isn't that what do the green lanterns do this is one of them questions what do they do i have to travel to you to ask you to help when parallax your your enemy your terrible enemy that you are trying to fight he is coming to my world and you're not gonna come in because we're not the strongest species what i think what's happening is there is the guardians are saying for some reason, for this strategy to work, yeah, we have to sacrifice Earth. Like we gotta let Parallax go to Earth and go wreak havoc while we attack Parallax. From the and then side we do what? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But also, their strategy is very unclear, especially since Parallax has said, "I'm gonna eat your world, and that will give me the strength and power to defeat mm -hmm. the Guardians." Right, but you're right. I have the same questions of like the Guardians are supposed to guard something, right? And like they're gonna let billions of people die and like because like they think humans smell weird i don't know the guardians talk a little bit about how like they're immortal and therefore they have to measure their actions by billions of years so like i guess to them also it's like well yeah so we lose one planet but like there'll be another planet with another up-and-coming civilization like that's just how billions of years works but then what is the point of view what is yeah, the right. point of view at that point yeah. god damn science councils Always, always science councils, completely fucking useless. There is also just once again, this unquestioned claim that some dumbass sci-fi people are superior to humans with absolutely no evidence of that whatsoever. 
And the Guardians say, we simply cannot risk losing everything on the chance that you might be right. What could that possibly mean? What does it mean? I have to assume that there's something about like Parallax is going to eat the universe. Uh Uh-huh. And that's losing everything. Right. But that's the thing. That's the thing that Hal is trying to stop. Yeah. We just can't. I mean, we got to we got to let the universe die to save the universe, says the science okay, council. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so they tell him that he's going to die trying. And and we're all like, good. And they say, <laughs> and Sinestra says to him, good luck, Green Lantern. Yeah. And Hal's like, OK, well, fuck all you then. Bye. I have a question for you. Does Sinestro know Hal Jordan's name? Probably not. Does anyone know Hal Jordan's name in the Green Lantern Corps? Tamar Ray may have said it. I think they mostly just call him stupid, smelly human. Yeah, because like Kilowog calls him a poozer. Yeah. Sinestro calls him a human. And then here he calls him Green Lantern, which is all of their names, by the way. They are all Green Lanterns. Wouldn't it be nice if Tommy came with him, if Tommy Ray came? Wouldn't it be nice if literally if anything, any one of the 3,600 <laughs> Green Lanterns with the magical wishing ring and yeah. the experience of how to use it. Yeah. Go with Hal Jordan. Yeah. I mean, how about like the little squash green goblin looking one who was kind of standing next to him? Like, how about like just him? Just one. Yeah. He doesn't have an important sector to to to, to protect. It occurs to me that Hal has no work friends. <laughs> so here comes trouble. A scary skull cloud. Parallax is approaching Earth. And then there's a very mysterious transition where... Hal goes to the airplane factory and Carol and Hector are there and Hector is in a wheelchair. Carol, who we left back at Hal's place with Tom, is now here. She's unconscious and she's floating in the air. Yeah, they totally deleted a scene here of of, of Hector kidnapping. How he grabbed her. I mean, I guess I didn't really want to see like, I don't now that you say that I'm like, did I really want to see that scene? Eh, maybe not. So this scene, what this scene is about is hot people versus ugly people. And they're about to have a conversation about the relative worth of hot people and ugly people. And they come down on the side that you would expect. Hector has Carol up in the air and he does a little villain monologue about like, I've always been in love with Carol, but she could never see me because you were always standing in the way. So now he's going to shoot her up with yellow alien juice and then she's going to become a hideous monstrosity and then Hal will not want her anymore and she'll want him and she'll want Hector because, because she'll have no choice there'll be no one like her exactly for him so Hal says please don't do this and <laughs> he says I know how you feel and Hector says come on look at yourself which means you're a hot person and screw you, hot person, for judging the ugly person, which, I mean, that's not, it's a pretty good point, actually. I don't understand why this is such a big deal, because there are at least two other Carols. So even if he does this to one of the Carols, like, this is why you always keep a spare Carol around in case something like this happens. So the scene is supposed to be about how hot people are not better than ugly people. But the movie absolutely believes that hot people are better than ugly people because they've turned the villain into an ugly person and he's about to die in pain. Right. 
Whereas the hot people are going to go off and fall in love with each other and save the universe. Although I guess Hector is the only one who's even calling out his ugliness. Yeah. Right. Like, like Hal Jordan doesn't even have a line about like, you know, like, like back. Yeah. Like you would think that there would be a quip about like leather, let her go leather face or whatever. Yeah, something. Yeah. But like, nope. yeah, he doesn't even take it, like no. shoot it back at him. That's because he's too, he's too nice. He's too good. Hot people are, are always good. Yeah. Well, no, but yes. <laughs> Hal takes a risk. He takes the, the ring off. He throws it at Hector. And uh, and I hope this is another opportunity for Hector to squeal again. He gets all glowy, um, but doesn't seem to do much for him. And he kind of stands up and he punches through a wall. And then he tries to punch Hal. I don't even want to I don't even want to describe the scene. I'm just realizing I have to describe this whole fucking scene and it doesn't matter. Nothing in this scene makes sense. Nothing makes sense. Like the ring is only supposed to work for Hal, which it does. But he pretends I don't even. Yeah, so like Hector uses it to shoot some power balls out of his fist, which means that Hal is really the one doing it. Yeah, this is it's forget it. Parallax comes in and eats Hector. Yeah, and with more terrible, terrible squeals. This is yet more. uh, He is now eaten up, and then Hal runs for the ring, and Parallax grabs him, and now he can't get the ring. And Carol actually has a thing to do. This is actually a nice little moment where they're in the aircraft factory where she works. And so while Hal is struggling with Parallax, she runs into the other room and uses a computer because she is smart and talented, and it fires a missile at Parallax, which distracts him for a minute. She's literally the only person in this in this entire world yeah. that's good at their job. Who can do just even one thing. Yeah. No, she, she's brilliant. She knows how the computers work. She knows how to uh, get the contracts signed. <laughs> that is from, true. You know, like she's good at her job. So she manages to uh, to grab the ring and then she throws it to hell. And then Parallax comes in and starts killing people in Coast City anyway. There's something about this this Coast City scene. Yeah. I, I was I'm always interested, especially when like there's so much CGI. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you think those extras are thinking? And there's one scene where they're all running from something, mm-hmm. and then Parallax shows up, and then they all at the they same time they all turn around and run the other stop way. and yeah. run the other way. Yeah, and like again, that could have been a really fun scene. Instead, it it's kind of drowned out by the fact that you can't see anything. Yeah. So Parallax is attacking. It's this big, scary smoke monster who just kind of like, what is he even doing? He just like puts tendrils down on yeah. the ground, and all of these people are looking up at him and. And kind of like dragging that across the ground. And if he touches people, then they dissolve in pain. He just so hungry for those skulls. He just eats. Yeah, he just eats things. And so Hal and Carol are a little bit outside of the, the danger zone and they're looking at it. And she says, like, you can never beat this. You'll die. And he says, well, maybe I can outthink it. The ring chose me for a reason. And this is why. And so now he is going to go. So the scary cloud is is killing people. You can tell that this doesn't take place in New York because they run away. Like right. <laughs> superhero movie New Yorkers, when they see something like this, they just back up a step and they just yeah. stand stand their ground. But no, Coast they, City, they would be they would be yeah. looking up at Parallax, going like, "You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us." <laughs> That's right. So there's a panic. The people are running all over the place, and it's like, "No, dummies! Like fear is the problem. You're supposed to use your will." 
just stand there and imagine a big hammer. But fine. All right. So people are getting eaten. Hal shows up. Green Lantern shows up who like makes a gun and shoots a gun at Parallax and throws a truck at him and stuff. So I want to talk about this gun for two seconds. Please do. The floor is yours. Green Lantern has a magical wishing ring. They can make anything in the world. Yep. And he makes a gun. Now, I know I said earlier when they did the sword fight, why wouldn't he make a gun? Like, well, he didn't know what he was doing at the time. That is true. Yeah, it's just little bullets up against this enormous It's little bullets. It's also something that requires him to stand and use his hands and pull triggers and look through the sight and like – yeah. There's yeah, a there's lot of a lot going pieces. on. Yeah, there's right. a lot going on. So literally, you could throw anything at him. Like the the big thing, really. Like you said, you keep saying like a giant hammer. Like yeah, yeah a giant anything. hammer. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, you know what he should create? What's that? A lady parallax, who just like winks at him and like touches her hair, and parallax is like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Look at that, and then and then you could just trap him, and then you could get him. Hal Jordan, I feel your fear growing. You will be dead soon. Parallax is now trash talking him. Hal's on the ground. He's saying, by brightest day and blackest night, the entire world will die because you were afraid. And you know what, Joe? What, what, Danny? If you believe in yourself and you stay true to your friends, you can accomplish anything. As I have learned from every movie ever made. <laughs> Every climax is things are as bad as they could possibly be. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to (laughs) try. And so (laughs) Hal looks up and he decides to try. And so he kind of flies and he flies up inside Parallax somehow and comes out the other side and then like leads him away from the earth. And they have a space battle and Hal kind of throws a a satellite at him and then they're just kind of like throwing stuff around There's a very dramatic orchestra kind of playing noisily somewhere. And then Hal looks at the sun. And he says, the bigger you are, the faster you burn. As you know. Then goes and stands next to the sun. (laughs) The sun. He just stands right there next to it. I know. I know. Like he basically like puts his puts his elbow up on it. Come over here. Hits him with the big fist. Just Hal just reaches out and just punches Parallax in the chops and Parallax falls into the sun. And it turns out that all you need, all you need is that just one big fist. If it's the right moment. It's awfully convenient that Parallax has a face because Parallax is a cloud for the most part. Right. Yeah. Something something that you could just punch right in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Like he tried to punch a cloud. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, did, Did you say you talked about Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer? Yes. So, mm-hmm. like, similarly, you know, because Gal- Galactus is a cloud in that, isn't he? Uh, yes. Yes, he is. There's a lot of clouds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that easier to animate than... He's a world engine, like apparently. A... But we don't have to worry about him anymore, because now he is falling into the sun, and that is apparently enough. Fear doesn't have any... any uh, fear doesn't work on the sun. The sun isn't afraid of you. <laughs> But now Hal is also falling into the sun. He has he has sacrificed himself to save the universe. But guess what's coming up? Guess who comes to help him out? Is it Batman? It's more Green Lanterns. Oh, who stayed of at home like little cowards and let him do all the work. And now at the last second, 
now they're the big heroes. Here's Tomare, here's Kilowog and Sinestro. And he's like, fuck you guys. They came just to get some of that credit, that sweet, sweet yep. credit. Because then the next thing that happens is another staff meeting back at well, Oa. Wait a minute. Why did only three of them show up? There well, are they... 3,600 lanterns. <laughs> only three? When you know that friggin' Parallax is here, who just killed a bunch of your buddies? They didn't show up to help with Parallax. They showed up to wait until he was done with Parallax and then pick him up and drive him home is basically what just happened. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, you're done with the battle? Cool. Come on. But yeah, but then they go back and they have another meeting and it's like, congratulations to Hal Jordan on a very successful sales year. (laughs) And Sinestro (laughs) is giving the speech like, like what he did it's a reminder of why the ring chose each of us and it's like well it's a reminder of why the ring chose him specifically i don't know about the rest of you assholes you've done nothing so far yeah the, the yeah the ring chose all like 3596 yeah. lanterns who didn't do shit yeah and then there's hal sinestro says our wills have not always been united but it's time they were which for sinestro is an apology you're impertinent, Hal Jordan. You're rash. You're volatile. You're opinionated. But I love you, you big lug. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it in. And then everybody lifts up their arms and they go, yeah. And they Yay. just. Yeah. And they just point their ring beams up into the sky. And that is the end. Well, also, Kilowog goes, can I train him or can I train him? No, <laughs> you Kilowog, you cannot. You, you did, didn't you did do not. anything. No. No, these people are useless. Entirely useless. We are almost done. Hal, Carol is on her balcony again, dressed in a very tight dress in front of a sunset. And Hal is saying goodbye to her in a way that I am not convinced by. Where he says, my new job requires I travel, so I'm going to be away for a while. And she's like, she has a moment to be upset about that. And then he touches her chin and lifts up her head, which is the thing that men should always do to women. And sit, and he says, away, never gone. So like your other deadbeat boyfriends who call once in a while, I'll come back when I feel like it. Yeah, he literally just told her, I'm going to fly away, but I'll be back for the booty calls. Yeah, exactly. This is, it is such a boy ending. And she smiles and she's okay with it. And he just flies away, off into the great unknown. It, it the, the ending comes so abruptly, by the way. Yep. Yeah, it does. Where he's just like, anyway, goodbye. <laughs> See everybody. See you in the next movie. And then we have a mid-credit sequence. It's the most basic possible mid-credit sequence where you've got Sinestro. He has the yellow ring and he just sticks it on his finger and he turns all yellow for not a shit ton of reason, but it seems to feel pretty good. He's got yellow eyes now, so that is not motivated or useful. It just says, come back for the sequel. This guy will be in it and he'll be evil next time. This scene only exists because everyone in the movie theater went, wait a minute. Isn't Sinestro supposed to be a bad guy? Like, yeah, did, you've they, got, did they forget he, to put that in the movie? His name is Sinestro. Yeah. And we've been treating him the whole time like he's, a, like he's just the boss. Yeah, it feels like such an afterthought. Yes. Not only because of the, oh, shoot, we forgot to make him a, a Yellow Lantern. Mm-hmm. The threat of Parallax is over. Like, they made the Yellow Lantern to fight Parallax. Yeah. yeah. Didn't need it. 
and yeah. for fill-in reason, uh-huh. he's like, "I'll just put on the ring anyway." Like, we, <laughs> yes. like he has yeah. no reason to do it. Absolutely no reason to do it. Yeah, no, he just feels like it. So that is the end of the movie. You want to talk about toys? Yeah, I would love to talk about toys. Let's talk about toys. Really? So I've been doing this now at the end of episodes. And uh, theoretically, it's about kind of seeing, well, so how was this movie then explained and marketed to children? But really, I just like saying action figure names. So I'm going to do that. So excited. Yeah. Mattel had the license. There were in the basic set, there were 20 figures with seven Hal's. So there was regular Hal Jordan. There was Colossal Cannon, Hal Jordan, Max Charge. Or I'm sorry, really, it's it's uh, Colossal, Colossal Cannon, Green Lantern, Max Charge, Green Lantern, Test Pilot, Green Lantern, Solar Saw, and Hyper Hammer, and Battle Axe. And these are all basically the same toy, just with like, you know, he's holding out his ring and it, and it creates a different, you know, there's like a boxing glove and then, uh, you know, a Solar Saw and a Battle Axe. Yeah, and things that are not in the movie. Yes. Know. Yeah. Test pilot Hal Jordan actually was him just in his flight suit. I, I was going to ask if yeah. any of them are him in his civvies or whatever. Yeah, that, like, so there is a test pilot one that that does that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fascinated at the idea of superhero movies that have action figures that are just like a guy. Yeah, like you know, like Bob the Goon from Batman. <laughs> right. Yeah, or like the Penguin from the recent the Batman movie, where it's like yeah. it's just a guy. It's it's a guy in a suit. What kid <laughs> would want that? Is Hal Jordan wearing a shirt? That's the thing. Like, he's right. nothing. Well, that is, you know, fortunately, like, that's why they gave him the test pilot job. Because at least there's some kind of costume he can put on. Sure, and yeah. The game, I assume, that you would play with test pilot Hal Jordan is, like, he's zooming through the air. And then he remembers his dad's death and he crashes. That's the game. <laughs> that's the game that you play on that. Does it come with a tiny little photograph of his dad to put on the on the dash? Yeah, it should. That would be great. And then there's a bunch of others. There's Sinestro and Abin Sur, like you would imagine, and Kilowog and Krona, who's the fallen guardian. For some reason, we got to have him involved. Oh, Krona's the one that turns into a yellow lantern. Yeah, so we got to have him. And then there are these randos. So there's Stell and Vaz and Isomot Cole, Hanu and Gallius Zed and Gahu. And Green Man. Description on the back of the Gallius Zed. I'll just read you this one. Always ready for a fight, Gallius Zed delights in charging into battle with an oversized cranium that forms the bulk of his body. This quick-tempered and outspoken member of the Corps is usually first to volunteer for mission, inspiring his teammates to follow his lead across enemy lines. That actually sounds like a character. They just described a whole character to us. And I don't, we didn't really have like a lot of characters who had personalities like that. Like I would have enjoyed seeing that in the movie. So it's just, this is so funny to me that clearly Warner Brothers and Mattel, what they really wanted was like this huge set of different Green Lanterns. Cause that would be fun for kids. It's like to learn about all of these different characters and then play with yeah. them and, and create. And that's battles. collectible. Yeah. yeah. Nobody told the movie to go and be like that. There's it's actually like a super simple story. Basically, the whole story is like Hal Jordan flies back and forth to Oa a couple of times. <laughs> and then he punches Parallax in the face. And that's the end of the movie. Yes. And Hector Hammond is there. Try not to look at him. Yeah, because he's gross looking. There's a movie masters set, uh, which are larger figures. And they each and then it says build Parallax. You can there's with each of those figures. 
there's a, a collect and connect piece. So you you collect all of these figures that are like 17 bucks each, and then you can put them together and create your own parallax. And is does Which each one just have did. like a piece of cotton candy? Because that's it's, what parallax looks <laughs> right, like. Right. Yeah, no, it's like a piece of like scary cloud and then part of a skull. Yeah. And so you connect that all together. I don't think that anybody actually did that. They didn't in the main set, they did not include Tomare, but in the movie master set that they did. And so I was looking at a fan site who talks about these toys and they mentioned that he can't stand up. And I was like, I knew it. I knew that <laughs> dude couldn't stand. I knew he was all top heavy and, to- and walks on his tippy toes. And so on the package, it actually says like figure may not stand alone as shown, which is amazing. Johannes, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been super fun. This has been a blast. Uh, thank you for having me. I love talking about comics and comic book movies and superheroes almost as much as I like talking about Muppets. All right. Well, I am so thrilled that I could I could bring you here and give you that experience. Where can people find you? Well, um, almost all of my work is on Tough Pigs. Um, we are on all the socials, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, Public. We got it all. <laughs> Very tiny little bit of of my stuff is on uh twitter at joe hennis uh or on instagram at tough pigs joe mm-hmm. but almost everything i do is is on tough pigs because if i'm gonna waste time on social media it's gonna be it's gonna be for that for the website you have a whole joe consumes media i do um i run uh i i, I just for funsies uh write um movie reviews of all the media that i consume i do mm-hmm. it on my personal facebook but I also uh, started publishing it on Substack. So oh, if you go you. on Substack and do a search for Joe Consumes Media, uh, you'll be able to get a, uh, a little something in your inbox once a week uh, of all my all this all the garbage that I watch. And it is it is fantastic and always worth reading. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am very much. For more comedy about the history of superhero movies, you can go to the blog at superheroeseveryday.com. If you like the show, please leave a review or you could reach me on Twitter, on Facebook or on the blog. It would be awesome to hear from you. And please tell the people in your life about the show. Here's what's coming up in the next episode. Coming up next week, I'm joined by my friend Sloan, illustrator and creator of the Hauntwares clothing line. to Take a look at the 2007 Crypt Kick and Spectacular Ghost Rider. But I want to talk for just a second about the demographics for this movie, because this is the only movie filmed entirely on location on the side of a guy's van. He wakes up in the morning, he's like, I feel like I'm missing a drop of blood. (laughs) I usually keep these organized. They cast Wes Bentley from American Beauty, who plays Blackheart as kind of like a soap opera demon, and he's got a lot of white makeup on. It doesn't make him look pale as much as it just looks like he has a lot of white makeup on. Satan has been collecting every human soul for all of eternity. Yes. These thousand are going to tip the scales. Well, there just haven't been there haven't been that many bad people. He has really high standards. All right, get excited for that. Come back next week for the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye.
bigger you are, the faster you burn. 